Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, for your guidance and your wisdom. I thank you, Father, that nothing's impossible to us who believes. Thank you for the wisdom and the guidance that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're, we're, we've been obviously learning about the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts, the power of God here on this earth called the Holy Ghost. The importance of of allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you in everything you say and everything you do so that we have the uh, impact that God expected us to have after Jesus uh, was raised from the dead on the third day. So who we are 2,000, 21 years later almost, 2,021 years in a couple of months, in a month or so, and... Uh, you you wonder, has the impact that God expected occurred? Meaning, has the impact uh, of leaving the power of God here on this earth, has, it, has the impact occurred? Has, has it been realized based on what God intended for the Holy Spirit to do? Well, according to the Bible, the Bible says that as long I mean, God doesn't want not, want, not, one, want, not want to miss one person. So uh, with as many souls that have been saved, I, I have to say, yes, it's the power of God has had quite an impact on, on the kingdom of God, on, on, on the body of Christ, should I say. So in these last days, is it having the same impact? Well, there's still, there's still the word of God still being taught, the word of God still being received. The baptism is still occurring, but uh, people are buying into the deception uh, of the world, which includes uh, being moved uh, by what a man or a woman feels instead of being moved by what they believe. How do you know that? Because of the fear, the worry, or the doubt. So, you know, you you... We we have an assignment to to um, resist COVID in four cities. God gave us wisdom about leading people to salvation and getting them baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I'm hoping that those at 12:30 follow that assignment to the T, because the you're you're gonna you're gonna come to the realization as I've been ministering to those individuals as I shared at the office. I've been ministering to a couple of people. You're gonna come to the realization that individuals. Um, don't understand what it means to um, submit to the Holy Ghost. So I want to talk about that a little bit tonight and then try to get through Acts chapter 22, which is almost 15 verses to go. So let's talk about that. Let me let me go into a little more detail, and then um, as people join us, we'll, we'll discuss it, and then you and I for now will discuss it, Lily. So, you, it's almost like teaching someone that speaks Spanish English when you're talking to someone like these two individuals who uh, the question I had for them today was how well do they know the Bible when one of ten and they all they all they both said nine and then how do they apply how well do they apply the Bible in their daily walk and they both said nine out of ten none of them are None of them are, are filled with the Holy Ghost. They've never spoken in other tongues. And their definition of, 
or should I say their perception of doing the will of God is being nice, being kind, um, not drinking, not smoking. So, what's missing? Knowledge. Knowledge of the Word or knowledge of the Holy Ghost or both? Both. Both? Revelation knowledge or? Yes. There's only one knowledge? Revelation knowledge? There's, there's only one knowledge, yes. Oh, okay. So, revelation knowledge. And so, what does that mean to you when you say that? What exactly does that mean? Well, because, I mean, uh, in that example you gave, it's like um, most of us would follow, say that, I, that I'm that i Christian or uh, because I follow the Ten Commandments. Okay. True, true, you know. true, true. Is there anything wrong? Is there anything wrong with that? Considering no. considering your walk for the last no. ten years, or however much you've been in this journey, is there anything wrong with what you just said? No, no, absolutely not. There's nothing um, wrong with it. No, I'm saying. Well, yes. I mean, the way you're saying yes, absolutely. There's everything wrong with it, but I meant there's nothing wrong with the with following the like. The Ten Commandments. Right. I thought that's what you were asking. Right. It's, it's like, is there anything wrong about like wanting to follow the Ten Commandments? No, there's nothing wrong with that. No, but not at all. Is there anything wrong? Is it wrong that that's how I see that I'm a good person, that I'm a Christian? Then yes, absolutely. What? Well, it's not necessarily that it's wrong. So I use the wrong word because it's not necessarily right. wrong. It's just not God's best. Best. Right. Right. Correct. Because we got to be clear on that. Because that fact that they want to be good, they want to be kind, they want to be, uh, they want to follow the Ten Commandments, that's fantastic. But it's not God's best because the minute they fall short, they're gonna they're gonna allow condemnation to come in. Is that not true? True. Right, because that's what that's what the enemy does. Because right. you can be good until you're blue in the face until you fall short, and then guilt just comes in and eats your lunch. Or you can have revelation knowledge, and it doesn't give you a license to sin, but you know truth, and it and it sets you free, and it doesn't move you uh, either way. I mean, obviously, you don't want to. It doesn't give you. You don't. You don't have that comfort to sin. But if you do sin, you know you got to repent and change. So, so let's go back to those individuals. I want to share some stuff that's extremely important to why why I, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord asked me to ask 1230, which one of you are transformers? In other words, which one of you are, have the calling to disciple people from, from carnal Christianity to knowledge Christianity, as you called it tonight, Lily, which is a great, a great, that's, a, that's, you can't, you can't uh, describe it any better than that. So, um, you you look at a person who's a carnal Christian, and they're as um, empty as it gets, Lily. There's no there's no unction. There's no there's no. I mean, it's like it's like trying to light a wet piece of wood. It's not getting. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't make them bad or wrong. It's just they're just not. There's. It's just like a. It's just like a. Um, someone that's not anointed and they're trying to preach or evangelize. So right. it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not going to work. 
So the thing, the thing about this, the thing that I want to continue on tonight is that these individuals, which is why it's so important for us to disciple, these individuals truly believe that everything's okay, Lily. So I asked the third question. Have you ever led anybody to salvation? And they both said no. They never even they never even they never even What does that mean? <laughs> well well no, they knew what it meant. But they their comment was they never even thought about it. And we both know that it's pretty hard to be filled with the Holy Ghost and not lead somebody to salvation. Right. So so what's missing is, like you said, knowledge, but you can't have revelation knowledge without being filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot. Call it, what you, call it whatever you want to, but if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't have revelation knowledge. You may, be, you may call it, you know, intellect. You may call it an understanding of the Bible. But it is not revelation knowledge. So, the picture that we are drawing at twelve thirty and at six o'clock on Wednesday night about the Holy Spirit and 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 uh, applying it to our daily walk is becoming clear because without the power of God in the life of a Christian, they're just Christian. They're not. They're not filled with the Holy Ghost. They're not. They're not leading people to salvation. They're not discipling. They're not baptizing. They're just. They're just there, really. And it. And it is a very, very sad situation. It is, because, it's like having. It's like being married and, and being roommates more so than, husband and wife. You know you're. You're you're saved, but you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, so you don't really know Jesus Christ. You've heard of Him, but you don't really know Him. So it doesn't produce, and that that's why Christians are, that's why Christians accept whatever they're given. You know, that's why they if you know they they get sick, well, it's God teaching me a lesson, or if they're broke, it's it's. Mother Teresa was broke and she lived fine, you know, and that list of excuses goes on and on when there's really only one uh, explanation to um, God's best, and that is prosperity, abundance, overflow, voluptuous living. There's no other, there's no other exception. There's no exception to that, Lily. Understand that. I don't care how many people are sick or how many people die prematurely or how many people die sick. That does not take from the fact, the truth, that there is no exception to God wanted us to live in health. There's no exception to that. Or God wanted us to prosper. It's the way it is. It's the bottom line. It's, it's, it is law. Period. And, and so, understand that our responsibility is to help individuals uh, see this, whether it takes three months, four months, five months, but really it's not going to take long because there's not a lot of time. God, God knows that we're running out of time and the anointing will, will pour out of us. He'll give us the words. He'll give us whatever we need to do to, 
to, to reach a, a lost soul, right? But in order to do that, we've got to be willing, as we talked about months ago, weeks ago. We've got to be willing. And that means we've got to lay everything else aside. As I told the people that I've been ministering to at 7.30, you know, I have a lot to do, but God tells me to do this, i got to do this. God adds one more thing to me, like i got 8 o'clock, i got 12.30, i got 6 o'clock, I've got to work, I've got family now, 7.30 on Wednesdays. But it's okay. It's important to God. So it's important to me. That's it. And 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 the 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 bigger picture is the importance of the unity of the church, which which is as as I taught year last year the year before about a powerless church, you know, because there's no they they don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A lot of people don't, Lily. Right. Now, let me let me get deeper into this teaching now. We've been teaching on this over a year now. Can you recognize? Can, are you able now to recognize the difference between somebody that's filled with the power of God and somebody that's not, Lily? Yeah. You are, and yeah. you use the, what? How? How are you able to recognize that in in the way you your your take on it? Well, it's very evident in someone being uh, religious, someone trying to be holier than thou. Okay. And one who is just being genuine and godly. I mean, it's just very evident by what they say, they don't say, what they do, don't do, you know. Um, and it's not just being religious, like if, let's just say, I said a curse word, which I haven't said a curse word in a long time, thank God, but let's just say I said a curse word, and you automatically say, uh, uh, forgive me, or I repent. Some mainly say it, and some just say it just to say it. Yeah, yeah. So let me compare because you and I both know tennis, right? And you've seen tennis players who are just gifted at that sport. It doesn't take a lot for them. You don't even have to look at them for those. They're good, right? Right. So somebody that's filled with the Holy Ghost, they're filled with Holy Ghost. I mean... It's evident. It's evident. Now, it doesn't. It doesn't make somebody that has a talent to play tennis. It doesn't make them perfect. No. They have a gift. Same thing with somebody who's filled with the Holy Ghost. It doesn't make them perfect, but they have they have an anointing on them, man. You could tell, right? Right. Now, why? What's the difference now? For you to recognize someone that's filled with the power of God than it was a year ago, Lily. Because I assure you, you understand more about the Holy Spirit now than you ever have. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Okay. So what's the difference for you now than it was a year ago? Well, it just, for me, uh, it's just like a, it's just like an automatic. You have an inner peace and you just have a no. You have that um, discerning spirit, if you will, if you know that it's genuine or not, and you just you just recognize it. I mean, it's just like I recognize my children. I mean, 
you just recognize them. You just recognize your children's voice. And you just recognize if they are or not. Uh, but it doesn't mean for us to treat them otherwise differently. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just yeah. attracts you more to people around that so that they can see uh, Jesus in you or through you. Is it is it good or bad? Is it needed or not needed? This it's new is needed. It's very it's very okay. much needed. It's okay. like okay, so the the assignment that you gave us. Um, I can probably say that uh, most of us are like um, want to do it because we're being obedient to man. Okay. Instead of like an obligation. Because we're being told to do it versus right. having that unction that I want to do it. And that's what we're going to find out, aren't we? Yes. Yes. We'll find out. We'll know on Monday. Now, either way, neither one of them are bad. But have, no, they no. they both have to be um, brought up brought because exactly. we can't continue on this teaching until we recognize where we're missing I mean it's got to we've got to be united not we, we we all have to be on the same page or there's no page really we all have to be on the same page so yeah that's you got you hit it on the nail what's that I said that's the example I gave at the workplace with uh, with Aaron, it's like you, you, you're, you're. I mean, we're part of the same. I mean, you're you're part of the same team, but we're not playing by the same rules, you know. Right. We and both. It's, and you can't do that. And you can't. You, you, you you're can't. Not, you're never gonna win. <laughs> yeah, but understand too that something gives, right? Either either yeah. I mean, some someone, not God, because. People have trouble with uh, this part that I'm about to share because they're thinking that God's, we can manipulate or change God's mind. No, God's already done what he's going to do. It's not like when when God created the sun, there's not changing. He's, he, he's not going to change the sun. The sun is the sun. The sun, the sunlight. Right. God's given us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ hung on the cross, redeemed us from the curse. We're redeemed. We're righteous. That's not. There's nothing we can say or do or act or give that's going to change that. Nothing. It is what it is. We just got to understand how to apply it here on this earth because that's really where we need it. We don't need it in heaven, and that's where we're. That's where we're losing because we want to manipulate redemption with works we want and that's that's this this like you said this homework you know some of us are going to try to manipulate uh our redemptive power with works and it's not going to work it can't cuz there's only one source to redemption That's Jesus Christ. There's not a plan B, C, or D. My wearing a cross doesn't redeem anybody or me. 
Only Jesus does. My going to church doesn't redeem me or anybody. Only Jesus Christ does. So I assure you, just like you said, there's going to be people that do this out of obligation, and they're going to try to replace the power of God with obligation. And it's not going to work. It can't. It'll make you feel good. It'll give you a sense of accomplishment. But it's not going to be anything eternal. And that's where the Holy Spirit, that's why the Holy Spirit is so powerful. So we have to be careful with that, though, because if I, if I go out there and try to do that on my own strength, Yes. Okay, well, Roland said I have to do this, so I'm going to go talk to someone tomorrow. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to find that person, right? Yes. Uh, I can uh, discourage them. Yeah. I can hurt them. Hold on, you know? hold, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You, you, you're, you're, you're getting closer to what I'm trying, what we're, the Lord's trying to reveal to us, and that is this. There's, that's not. There's not much difference between doing that, Lily, and attending 1230 just because. Right. So what's the difference? Well, you know, I, I asked that question. I'm glad you brought that up. I asked that question today to myself when I heard that. I was like, okay, so is it wrong? I'm just saying, is it wrong for someone, you know, one of us, 1230 years, to not do that because we feel obligated to do it because we're told to do it and would that keep me from 1230 I mean would you would you tell me don't call 1230 anymore and I'm like why would we do that because we yeah we want to learn but if if I'm not you mean if I'm not going to be obedient to do what I what I've heard um, then it's only really hurting me it's is it hurting the church? So, so again, that discussion is, uh, it's a darn good question. But it's one that God has an answer for you. And it's one that has to be addressed, which is, which is the whole purpose for the homework, is mm-hmm. to address, because it, 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 let's just use, use a marriage, for instance. If we're if you're in a marriage that's more of a roommate situation, that has to be addressed because a marriage is a covenant between two people that God has given us, right? Right. And we can't you can't ignore that. I mean, I mean, it's uh, for a lot of people it's easier to ignore it because they don't have to address what's going on, but you shouldn't ignore that. Well, if you're playing church in your heart. That shouldn't be ignored. It needs to be addressed. Not between you and 1230 or you and me. No. Or whoever. No. Between you and God. Just like yeah. just like your marriage needs... See, you can go to God and say, like I did, right? However long ago. Yeah. And God told, told me, I got to love my wife's Christ of the church. Well, he told me what, what the problem was, what, right? Right. Well, then it's up to me whether I want to fix it or not, because he's not going to fix it. He's telling me how to, but he's not going to fix it for me. No, no, no. Right? No, yeah, yeah. He loves you too much to do that. Right. Exactly. And he loves you too much to say, well, okay, if, if you don't, if you don't um, 
lead somebody to salvation, uh, you're not getting to heaven, no. But keep it in mind, I've taught this before, that we are in a position at 1230 for God to, to give us his best if as long as we're willing to do what it takes to receive that. Right. And, and what, because 1230, you're learning truth. You're not learning somebody's opinion. So what better position to be in than to uh, be able to receive God's best? So he puts us in situations where he wants to reveal that to us, but he's not going to change us. He's not going to, he's just showing you, look, this is where you're at. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because I can use Roland to teach you Acts, the book of Acts, till he's blue in the face, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> right? Right. No, 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 yeah. What are you going to do with my power? And so that's really where we've gotten to, to at this point, a year and months into teaching on this power of God, is what are we going to do with the power of God? Are we just going to keep talking about him? Or are we going to go out and allow him to use us to save souls and get them baptized with his power? There's a scripture in the Bible that says, to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm -hmm. Let me add to that. <laughs> if he trusts you with the little, he's going to trust you with more. That's the way God rolls. Not because he's testing you, but because he doesn't want to hurt you. And if you mentality is, well, I don't want to go reach, I don't want to save somebody because I don't want to, I'm not sure if it's me or if it's my mind. I mean, if it's my mind or if it's the power of God, well, better get in your prayer closet and repent and say, God, what's going on? I got to fix this. Because, listen, what I shared at 1230, it's not anything against the Bible. It's in the Bible to do what I said at 1230, isn't it? No, yes, of course. Okay, so it's not like I'm sh I'm asking. It's not like the Lord asks you ought to do something that's not biblical. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, the mind. I'm sure not the only one. I'm just bringing it up because I know but, that people. But, it's like, but, but who, who are you to tell me when? You know what I'm saying? Here's the thing, though. It's an, it's important to that. get past this in order to get to where we're going. Well, we're going, yeah. Because a church, and, and, you know, we're probably one of the toughest, most stubborn groups you're ever going to find. <laughs> I'm sure you know what I mean by that. Uh-huh. So, if what we're learning can change us, it can change anybody. Amen. But it's got to get to that point of change. And that change is so beautiful, though. It sure is. Maybe. But but how does one know? How does one how does one know to recognize change because they act on 
the change. That's how one recognizes to act on it, to share it, to testify. They become they become a testimony. And so, uh, uh, you 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 had a chance to talk to Sarah, right? I have not I have not led Sarah to salvation, by the way. That's not one of the two. You you had a chance to talk to Sarah not too long ago, right? Sarah is the one that I hired for the yeah. nonprofits. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, she says she talked to Uncle Raymond because I had her call you, Celia, and Uncle Raymond because you all are part of what we're doing as a ministry. Well, that's, those are the only three that the Lord put in my heart to have her call. And uh, she does have a very, very... Uh, she has a servant heart. She does. No doubt about that. But she's not saved. She's never accepted Jesus yet. So she calls Uncle Raymond and Uncle Raymond, they talked for five minutes and Uncle Raymond said, do you know Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. And uh, she says it was the most powerful thing I ever heard. She didn't accept Jesus at that moment. I don't know if he's led her to salvation yet, but but that's not one of the two again that I'm that I'm ministering to. So, um, I that's the first thing Raymond shared with her. So, Uncle Raymond, not perfect, by no means, just like you and me, no, no, not perfect. His heart is to the change that the Lord has done in his heart. It's evident, mm-hmm. is it not? Yes. He has a he has a passion for souls, man. Incredible, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Is he is that God's best? No. No. Mm-mm. Okay, so God wants more for Uncle Raymond. Yeah. And who is it up to in order for Ray- Uncle Raymond to receive that best? It's God. Uncle okay. No, no, it's up to us. See what I mean? Yeah. But he still has a passion for souls. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. It's like I have a passion to sell. I do. I love it. It's wonderful. It's exciting. It's easy. It's, it's wow, right? Right. And I'm anointed to do it. But I don't have a passion to service. Do I need, in order to do, in order to be a good steward, do I need to do both? Be a good steward with what he's giving you. Do I have to be able to service or figure out how to do that? No. Or do I get somebody that's anointed to service? Yes. Right? Right. So so in, let's go spiritually now. We've got to reach souls. Not everybody has not everybody has the anointing to do that, Lily. But there is people that have the anointing to teach and disciple. The key to that, though, is this. As I've shared, been teaching for months now, being willing to receive. Meaning, when God tells you, you're anointed to disciple, you're anointed to transform lives, then you've got to be willing to do that. 
and receive that. In in some people's cases, they never want to recognize that weakness. I call it a weakness because right. you don't have an anointing to do it, right? Right. A lot of people don't want to recognize that, so they keep doing it. They keep doing it. By the time they know it, they're 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 at the same place they were five years ago because they're still doing the same thing when they know they're not anointed to do it, and they don't even know it's an anointing, but they don't have the gift to do it. Yeah. You did that. You were selling yeah. something, selling something. You know, yeah, that wasn't the gift. You kept doing it, kept doing it for years, right? That's why I left. Yeah. Remember? Yeah, that's why I was laughing. And so when it comes to ministry, you've got to be willing to say, man, I'm not good at that. Instead of making excuses for it, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's immature. I'm dealing with that with Roland Jr. He thinks he's good at everything. He is good at a lot. There's no doubt about that. But he's not good at everything. Hey, but you can't when I try to talk to him about it, it's always, he never argues with me, but it's always a discussion because he truly believes he's good at everything. And that's immaturity. But until a person recognizes that, that they're not good at everything, then what do they, they keep hitting that wall like not getting anywhere. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. And, and we do that spiritually. Listen. Is it okay to recognize that you're not anointed to evangelize? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it, it's got to be recognized, not by you, but by knowledge from God. Let Him reveal it to you. But how are you going to know if you don't put yourself in that situation? So that's why I tell my son it's what's powerful the way he is, but recognize that if you're not, if you don't have that ability, it's okay. But don't be prideful about it. And I, and that's the problem with a lot of people. They're prideful about their weaknesses. They never acknowledge them. So what do they do whenever it comes up? They did they get angry or offended? And it leads to the same place, different time. That spirit of offense is, is demonic, man. Very. Huh? Very, yep. So you understand? So 12.30, God gives us a, uh, uh, a homework. And let's see who acknowledges whether it's they're anointed to do it or not. Anybody can anybody can lead somebody to salvation, Lily. Yeah. But not everybody's anointed to do it. Because that's really what evangelism is, is leading somebody to saving a soul. Anybody can teach the Bible. But not everybody's anointed to do it. Right. Huh? So prior to today, we asked the question, how many of your transformers, disciples, 
Well, we got to get to the point where we know this, don't we? Yeah. Because how do we, how do we, how do we prepare for what's coming if we don't know who's who's anointed to do what? How are you gonna How are you gonna staff the church if you don't know who's doing what? Excuse, go ahead, Lily. What was that? How are you gonna staff the church if you don't know who's 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 anointed to do what? And and so going back to revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge when it's revealed to somebody. That there's no stopping. This, this, Jesus had revelation knowledge about what he was to do at the cross when he was 33 years old. There's no stopping him. Didn't matter if you if you if you uh, uh, um, slapped him on the back 50 times with a cat of nine tails. It didn't make a difference to him whether you put a crown of thorns or spit at him or cussed at him or beat him up. Didn't make a difference. You know the Bible says that that they. They they beat him up so badly that they couldn't rec- he couldn't they couldn't recognize him as Jesus anymore. Right. Imagine that, Lily. And he still didn't sin. I would have been cu- I would have been cussing up a storm. I'd have been blaming, yelling at everybody. <laughs> In the beginning, that would have admitted I'm not the son. <laughs> so he had revelation, though. In our case, he's not asking us to hang on a cross. All he merely is asking us is recognize what you're anointed to do, so that I can reveal to you what you're going to do. So what we've been doing is not is, doesn't is not going unheard. Eight o'clock, we're believing for wisdom. Great. Twelve thirty, we're we're learning about the Holy Ghost and power. Most powerful, most powerful force here on earth, the Holy Spirit. So God, we're asking for God for wisdom, and He's setting us up for it. But we got to do our part by acknowledging what we can do and what we're anointed to do, and we're not. We got to do our part. It should, it should come. It, it should come freely. It should. But for some reason, God sends me the most <laughs> stubborn people, man. You know that? Yeah. No, you for said real. That one too many times. Huh? You said that one too many times. He said he does though. My the two people that are discipling, I said, "Oh my gosh, Lily! Wow! I mean, that spirit of stubbornness is like." You know they don't want to let go of what, who they are, what they've been through. It's very difficult for God to move through someone like that. He'll save you, but he can't fill you. Because you're full of you. Follow me? Yeah. So yeah. so at twelve thirty we've we've gotta to get to the point where what's that Lily? I said I've been there. You've been there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. How and what what brought the change in you besides hearing the word, learning the word, spending time in the word? Uh what to me what what changed me was 
learning what uh, righteousness meant. And that was the beginning of a new life for me. Amen. It's the only life. All right, so let's get some more to this. We're in Acts chapter 22, verse 14. I'm going to read 3, explain it. You read 3, explain I'm going to read 14, 15, 16, and then explain. You read 17, 18, 19. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to progressively understand his plan with clarity and power and to see the righteousness, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and to hear a message from his own mouth. 15. For you will be his witness to all men, testifying of what you have seen and heard. 16. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized. And wash away your sins by calling on his name for salvation. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds like something we just heard for the last 30 minutes. Amen? Amen. So he's appointed all of us. To do what? To know his will. And to understand his plan. Yes, he has. Different places. You're in Rungi. I'm in San Antonio. Celia's in Edinburgh. Uh, Javier's in, in Los Fernos. Some people are in Europe, Japan, China, wherever you're at. But he's appointed us to know his will. Okay? Mm-hmm. We talked about that today. His will is for us to reach souls and feel, get him baptized in the Holy Ghost. And to understand his plan. Get revelation knowledge. Meaning... Don't let anything steer you from it. It does not matter what, when, where, why. And then it goes on to say, and to see the righteous one, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and to hear a message from his own mouth. Wow. For you will be his witness to all men, testifying of what you have seen and heard. Amen. Verse 16. Now, why... Do you delay? Praise God. All right. 17, 18, 19. Go ahead. Then it happened when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple enclosure that I fell into a trance vision, and I saw him saying to me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know, without any doubt, that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you and your message of salvation. So, to answer the question, why do you delay? So, when we go out there and start talking to people and start leading in salvation and baptizing them, uh, that's what uh, that's what the flesh would say. It's like, um, you don't know what they're going to say <laughs> when I try to do that or when I do that. Just they know me, you know. Should we ignore and, uh-huh. unction, Lily? No. We shouldn't? Okay. All no. right, go on. What are you going to say? No, no. So I was, gonna, so I was just going to add to it, so. When we go out there and we start um, testifying, 
to people that know the flesh of us and don't knew the past, knew of us in the past. They're going to say, weren't you the one? Nope. <laughs> like Paul. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but it shouldn't keep me from doing, like you said, it shouldn't keep us from doing what we should be doing for the kingdom of God. So regardless of what people are going to say, whatever, it should they should just hear and see the new me instead of, you know, they can hear, wow, where'd you come from instead of the past? So we shouldn't delay what he's asking us to do, the assignment that he's asking us to do. We shouldn't? No. Then why are we? Because we're full of ourselves, like you said. Okay. And then... We let our minds... What's that? We let our minds... We let our minds take the best of us. We let we know we we just follow the flesh. So it's so easy for me to say when I'm at twelve thirty, uh, put me in coach. But then when it's one oh one, you know, we and we steer from that, it's like it's like nothing. And, and that's how keeping in mind that it's work. not I mean, there's so much it's just deception is what it is, but there's so much of it, Lily. And really, it's just that that one step. Take that one step. And, man, I'm telling you, God will open up that those windows for us. Let, let me continue in 20. 20, 21, 22, then you're going to go 23, 24, 25. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I also was standing nearby approving and consenting to his death and guarding the coats of those who were killing him. And the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to Paul until he made this last statement, but now they raised their voices and shouted, Away with such a man from the earth. He is not fit to live. Wow. So so Paul's testifying about when he was worldly. He said he stood there and watched them kill Stephen. And now he's saying, that's I'm now testifying about Jesus Christ. And they're, and they're wondering, how in the heck... Are you talking to us about Jesus? You just finished saying this. When you were killing Jews, man. Right? So, right. you remember that, that the, the, I, shared, I was sharing with you earlier, that we've got to take that one step. Whether it's talking to a five-year-old or a ten-year-old about Jesus, or wherever, whatever the religion, but you've got to take that first step. It's not... It's not when I brought when I when I started discipling these two individuals uh, two weeks ago, I didn't want to do it. I, I mean, I, going back, it's always the same thing. I mean, I don't have time to do that. I've got a lot I've got to do, but I got to take that step. And and it's the same thing for for all of us. We got to take that. Gotta, it doesn't matter what they think or what they don't think. W- keeping in mind that when you're acting on the direction of the Holy Ghost, they know what. The Holy Spirit knows why uh, God needs you to do this. Twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. Cheers. Twenty-three. And as they were shouting and throwing off their coats, getting ready to stone Paul, and tossing dust into the air, expressing their anger, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he was to be interrogated with a whip in order to learn why the people were shouting against him that way. 
But when they had stretched him out with the leather straps in preparation for the whip, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it legal for you to whip a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned without a trial? Wow. Wow. He threw the law right at the guy. But it's the same thing. Uh, Is it is it, um, as Paul asked Centurion, is it legal for you to whip a man who is Roman citizen and uncondemned? Is it legal for Satan to bring sickness, disease, and lack unto a righteous person? Is it legal? No, I'm sorry, if you're asking. I said you were just making a statement. No, is it legal? No. 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 Check out check out what the centurion says to Paul. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and said to him, What are you about to do? This man is a Roman. So the commander came and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. The commander replied, I purchased this citizenship of mine for a large sum of money. So how did you acquire yours? Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. Mm -hmm. So those who were about to interrogate him by torture immediately let him go. And the commander was also afraid when he realized that Paul was a Roman and he had put him in chains. You see, Satan has no authority over us. The only authority Satan has over us is the authority we give him. But it's illegal for him, Satan, to bring sickness or disease or lack upon a righteous person, Lily. A saved, someone who's received Jesus Lord and Savior, it's illegal. But if you don't know, like you said, I said, what changed you? You said, when I found out I was righteous. Well, that righteousness means that Satan can't bring lack on you, can't bring sickness, can't bring disease, can't bring worry or fear or doubt. He cannot. But you can, you can, more, than, you can more than anything... Accept it. I mean, he can't. He can't bring it on you, but you can accept it. Right. Let me continue. So those who were about to interrogate him by torture immediately let him go, and the commander was also afraid when he realized that Paul was a Roman and he had put him in chains. But the next day, wanting to know the real reason why Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priest and the whole council. Sandrin, Jewish high court, to assemble and brought Paul down and presented him before them. So very powerful scriptures that we just read. Because it holds true for us in this, today. That if you accept Jesus as Lord Savior, you're righteous. You're right standing with God. Satan has no authority. None. It is illegal for him to bring sickness on a righteous person. It is illegal for him to bring lack or poverty to a righteous person. Completely legal, Lily. But a righteous person recognizes who they are Mm -hmm. and they declare it. See, part of the process of reaching a soul is because of who you are and the revelation knowledge you have about who you are. 
Paul knew who he was, and he declared it. And he says, this, the, the, the centurion said, Lily, it's not legal for us to torture a Roman. Yeah. He said that. So when Satan sees a righteous spirit, he knows it's not legal for them to torture a righteous spirit. So Satan knows that. Now that leads me to believe then that all those Christians that are broke and sick bring sickness and disease unto themselves. Huh? Unto ourselves, yep. They don't know that they're free from it. So they accept it. So then when God, uh, when, when a person, a Christian realizes that they're right in right standing with God and they make that declaration of faith, I'm in right standing with God, I'm a joint heir with Jesus, I'm the seed of Abraham, I'm blessed coming in, I'm blessed going out, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, I'm the seed of Abraham. They make that declaration and God puts them in a position uh, to not test that but declare it and then, and then they wilt. They revert back to. who they were. You repent and then you go back, I'm righteous, I'm in right standing with God, I'm the head and not the tail, I'm above and not beneath, I'm a joint there with Jesus on the seat of Abraham. God puts you in a position, give, forgive, uh, testify, and you're like, no, I'm not sure if I'm righteous or not. I'll stay in the closet. Uh, you get you go back to the beginning, and then you repent, and you hear evangelist, and he lights you up, and I'm the righteousness of God. I'm in right standing with God. I'm a joint there with Jesus on the seat of Abraham, and God puts you in a position to give or pray for somebody or lead them. And no, back. see what I mean? Yes. That's why I said earlier that 1230 is putting us in a phenomenal position of of expecting God's best and, and wanting Him to put us in a position of sonship. Putting us in a position of righteousness. For us to be able to say, I'm not sick, I'm not broke. Why? Because I'm righteous? <laughs> it's not legal. For me to be sick or broke. It's not. It's illegal. Right. Huh? Right. And God's like, okay. I believe you. <laughs> Praise God forevermore. Now give. Hmm. Well, I'm not that righteous. <laughs> 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 they don't, they don't I'm not that righteous, God. Come on. Don't get carried away. You know what I meant. I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah. 
I'm just no. saying I'm like you. I'm not saying I'm you. Huh? Praise God forevermore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we hear, go out and reach the lost, save the lost, get them baptized in the Holy Ghost, yeah, I'm righteous. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm in right standing with God. I'm a joint with Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. And we welcome your assignments, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we ask in the name of Jesus that you guide us and direct us in everything we say and everything we do. Because we are filled with the power of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.